Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chasing Edges podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peters. I got a juicy one for you today, the OG of the sauna world, Sauna Glenn, as we call him. He was a massive influence on all the boys at the MindStrong Project, but also a great translator of wisdom to myself. And we go down all those rabbit holes on the podcast. He does a beautiful job breaking down what makes great heat. What when you're looking at a sauna, what makes a sauna a real sauna versus an imposter sauna, the bare necessities of great sauna, which is heat, steam, and ventilation. And then we get into the the diet and the hydration influences on your sauna experience. We touch on all the benefits, but he does a miraculous job breaking down what makes great heat and how to feel it and how to work your way through your sauna and your cold experience as they are paired in one in his world and in the Finnish culture. We also go into the history of sauna. I talk about tactics, protocols, and different ways to influence uh, a team and different uh, uh, exposure tactics. But it's an endless to gentle, tangential conversation. We go all le- different ways, left, right, up, down, and around. But it truly is a great, informative episode that you, you should get a lot of information from. So I hope you enjoy. Quick housekeeping before we start the show, you can find all links for Glenn in the show notes. That's his links to Sauna Times, his website, where there's a plethora of research information, blogs, link to his podcast, Sauna Talk, links to where he's a founding board member at the Sauna Research Institute, and also a link to his book because he is also an author. And the name of the book is Sauna Build from Start to Finish. And enjoy the show. Glenn, thank you for joining me. Super pleasure. Thanks for being here with you. Yeah, dude, I'm so excited just because uh, the OG of the breath or the OG of the sauna world, um, who we learned a lot from through MindStrong, um, and we'll go down all the rabbit holes of sauna, what makes great heat, the health benefits. So those of you listening, uh, stay tuned. We're going to cover the whole gauntlet of sauna benefits and what makes it great and the nuances of how to find the right heat and the perfect heat and what we call great heat around here. So we'll, we'll get to all that. But gee, just to get us started, how the podcast usually works, where where are you learning and chasing edges? Where are you growing right now in your life? Yeah, well, you know, from a physical standpoint, we, you and I are talking uh, with me here down in Austin, Texas, and, you know, in the, in the spirit of sauna giving in ways that, you know, I can't even put into words, um, we've been given the keys to this castle of a good friend of mine's uh, uh, pad, I mean, really about a four or five million dollar property down here in Austin, Texas. And you can see in my background, the sauna that uh, that I consulted with, with the homeowner and uh, just a good soul dude. And, uh, you know, I try to present myself in, in the best way possible. And, and this is where great things can happen. My wife and I are down here in Austin, but a home, home for me is in Minneapolis and also in northern Minnesota, I split time between Minneapolis and an island in the north of Minnesota, where when the ice is not on the lake, uh, that's that's where I spend most of my my uh, my time up there. Yeah, I've seen uh, some of the pictures of the beautiful sauna you got up there or the sauna. Sorry, I'll start saying it correct. We always gotta I always gotta correct myself when I'm around you. <laughs> uh, does does that irk you whenever people say sauna? No, I, it doesn't hurt me in the least. And I actually wrote an article on Sauna Times that said, you know, whether we pronounce it sauna or sauna, uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you could say portage, like portage a canoe 
or portage a canoe, you know, I think we have something a lot more important to worry about. And that's the loss of the, the real meaning of the, of the word sauna. Like, what is it? Uh, there's just a lot of marketing um, hucksters out there that have really hitched their wagons onto the benefits of sauna and, and the, the product, the, the physical uh, being of sauna and uh, have made marginalized versions of it and call it sauna. So yeah, to me, I'm more worried about that than the pronunciation. Well, let's get into the meat of it then. What is uh, what does sauna? What is it supposed to mean? What what are, uh, what is it to you? Right on. Well, it's very simple. I mean, you know, Webster's Dictionary. I talked to any Finn. You know, sauna is is just a, a very simple space. It's a it's a room most often lined with wood that uh, has a heater of some kind. Uh, traditionally wood, sometimes electric, and even, uh, you know, on a very uh, uh, small examples uh, can be gas fired, but generally it's wood fired uh, stove or electric stove that heats rocks and you throw on water on the rocks to make steam. It's that simple. Uh, heat, steam, ventilation. That's the holy trinity of sauna. Anything that doesn't have all three of those is not a sauna. Hmm. That's a, I like that a lot just because I already know who uh, there's a bunch under attack that don't fit that criteria. Right. And, you know, I really have no, no issue with other forms of sweat therapy. Um, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is, wh whatever it could be. I mean, uh, people sweat in a lot of different ways, but you know, uh, if, if you're doing infrared, you know, and you love it, you know, that's great. But that's an infrared therapy room. It's not a sauna. And when you start, when infrared hucksters start hitching their wagons to those health benefits, the reported health benefits of sauna, and call it for their own method of, of sweat therapy, well, that's where I, I uh, you know, I have to really be bold and start picking apart these nuances because I think people really need to know what is sauna and what is not sauna. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And there's also just such a research disparity in that realm where like there's definitely some acute research uh, on like the limited effects of um, infrared sauna, particularly like the detox level and that kind of thing, because it, like that, it does serve a, a purpose in those categories for sure. Um, but also like as you get into like the separation of the benefits, like one of the biggest, most resounding studies are all are not just one study or any study. There's so many studies done on the benefits, longevity, like health and uh, longevity, where like the Finns and obviously the Scandinavians have spearheaded that research for decades upon decades. Um, and I, that's where I see just from, again, somebody who's relatively new to sauna, the sauna, but I, I was doing it uh, in football a little bit. And then obviously towards the end of my career, last two years of my career, and then obviously everything post, I, I'm, I'm all in on it in that realm. And the obviously the, the thing I haven't been able to find is any long-term research on infrared outside of maybe a decade. But when you look at obviously the benefits of the dry sauna, the finished sauna, and you see these massive drops with consistency of exposure, massive drops in all-cause mortality rates, 35, 50% plus, and then these drops in Alzheimer's rates and everything. And you realize that this space, these these sauna spaces, they're, they're medicinal, not just for the body, but also for the mind and for the soul a little bit, where not to get too esoteric because I love the community building aspect of it. And anybody that spent a lot, uh, like one good sauna conversation with a bunch of strangers in there, you know the deal and it becomes magnetic. And so that's the, but when we get inside, because we can break down the infrared to uh, sauna or dry sauna for sure. Is there anything that stands out uh, besides like the imposter 
uh, use of the word? Well, no, uh, you touched on a couple of things that are really quite, quite important and significant for me. I mean, I've been uh, partaking in the sauna experience for 35 years. Uh, I was a college kid. Uh, I was an American college kid hitchhiking around, spent quite a bit of time up, up in the northern reaches of, Ner- of Europe. And that's where I got exposed to sauna, sauna that you and I know uh, with the wood fired. And you touch on the community aspect of sauna. And I think that's kind of one of the hidden gems. And you speak about pro athletes and stuff. And a lot of athletes come to sauna um, uh, in, in a really kind of pure way uh, in locker rooms and what have you. And they're doing contrast therapy and they're hanging out with their players. And I, I'm speaking about hockey players specifically. A lot of hockey players, uh, when you think about all the pro sports, hockey, I think, is a few steps ahead of other pro sports. And, and you may know more about this than I do, Brian, but you know, the, on every NHL hockey player or even minor league teams, there's a couple of fins. And, you know, when these, uh, when these, um, uh, when these uh, locker rooms and stuff get outfitted with sauna, you know, the fins collect and they bring that Northern European style to sauna where, you know, there's even a couple of beers to be had. And, you know, you think about the health benefits uh, and, and it doesn't always have to do with, the amount of time in the hot room, the amount of time in a cold plunge tank, there is a health benefit to hanging out with your buds and your, your, you know, your line mates and talking over the game and having a beer and just sort of decompressing. And, you know, that's my life. I mean, sauna for, look at where I'm sitting right now. I mean, this was all fostered on the sauna bench uh, through great kinship. And you talk about the community aspect to it. And I, I think it's really underplayed. You know, we all want to have the physical benefits documented, uh, but really, how, how do you measure these these good times we have on the bench um, and, and how we do that and how it helps with our health is still causation correlation. We don't know yet, but it's damn good. Yeah. And there's and I look at it that way and I go, there's not a lot of downsides to the, to the sauna unless you abuse it, because like every uh, what is it? What's the saying? Every, everything's poison. It's the dose that makes it so. But and in, in that realm, like the sauna, like it's it's hard to abuse it unless you start talking sperm count for somebody trying to have a baby, maybe in that re- in that realm. But like, OK, like I can like the 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 health benefits, even the performance enhancing benefits, if it's used tactically, incredible. But now you start adding like the camaraderie and community, because I think every particularly when a group of humans is trying to accomplish a massive goal, like all these little intangible things add up and compound interest takes its toll. And guys have rock vulnerable conversations like I've heard so many people refer to the sauna as the truth barrel or the truth box, because and you can look at it from a serum standpoint where it's like, okay, there's a little bit of neuroepinephrine coming around. There's fatigue coming. There's sweat like there's all these things that are kind of accumulating and something that's going to kind of let your guard down in essence and and you, and you can have some dynamite conversation. So yeah I, man. yeah, I would say, Brian, it's, uh, you know, when you think about nature, right, like going on hikes uh, in the woods, for example, where you, there's a, there's a camaraderie element to that. You're all going on this journey together. Well, you know, sauna is a journey as well. Like you go into the hot room and uh, there is no, like, just like going for a hike. I mean, there's no rule as to pace, right? Like, mm. like some may be hiking a little quicker than others. Some may be holding back into conversation. And, and one of the things I love about sauna, as I know it is the zones, right? Like you have a hot room, call it 180 Fahrenheit or somewhere in that range. Then you have a cool down space, which 
what I love in my climate up in Minnesota, it's like you got this zero degree Fahrenheit day, and then you can have this temperate zone of about 40 degrees somewhere around in there. And you get a couple of bodies in there and they're like radiators, like the, with the, the mass of their body, like putting off steam into this room. And that room, to me, that climate is as magical as, as the hot room. And then of course you're outdoors, you know, whether you're going through a hole in the ice or, you know, even just simple five gallon bucket where you're dumping water over your head or doing a snow angel or what have you, it, what you've created there is this like, like the zone, like the zonality of, of three different climate zones. And then you're fostering this wonderful, spontaneous, you talk about community, right? Like this commune, you know, where you're going through this experience together, like a hike up a mountain at your own pace. And to me, it's just such a beautiful experience to share that with others. Yeah. And I, I, I really like your approach to pace because like everyone reacts to sauna differently, and then some days it's kind of, it can even be a gauge for you. Like, okay, I got 20 minutes to at this temp. I got 30. It's either way. It's okay. And as I got my effect, I'm, I, I got a good sweat. Maybe I had a good conversation or maybe I'm taking the journey alone. But now like, cause I like, obviously I'm a huge contrast therapy sauna ice tub kind of deal. And it gets stuck in that fad modality where it's like, oh, like Joe Rogan does it at whoever does it. But really like that, like just the transition to and from at your own pace. Like yeah. some of my favorite days are when I do it alone and I have, and, then, and I just have some music on or, or it's just the birds chirp and whatever it ends up being. And that's like, okay, today, like, yeah, there's the rigid structure of three minutes, heavy sweat, three minutes, heavy sweat, dunk, get out. You're good. Like that's the recovery. So you get the constriction, dilation, constriction, dilation, flush out the soreness. Okay. Yeah. I get that. That's the rigid side of the routine, but there's some days where you just get in there and you go by feel and dude, I've, that I've almost fallen asleep in the cold tub where it's just like, I've been in there for 12 minutes. I'm not shaking the sun's shining on me. And then I hop in the sauna and then I get lost in my breath and it's 40 minutes. And it's just like, in those days are just, I don't even have to do all the rounds. It's just like, I go by feel. And that's where something I think that one, I think the temperature change that you're talking about in those zones, it brings you back to feel because you'll, you'll feel when it's time to get out or you'll feel when it's time to, all right, I need to get back in the hot room or like you just get lost in a conversation. You don't even like know how you feel. Cause you like there's other endorphins going from the good community. And so yeah. I've, obviously I'm, I'm a believer, but um, it, can you, can you speak a little bit on the history? Um, because obviously the fins and like, and it's so it's new to some people to like, Oh, sauna, cold tub, sauna, cold tub, when it's just been so cultural for them. And then even in yeah. the Northern States in the United States, the saunas are like the are they're on the lakes and everybody's like kind of just jumping and going at their own pace. And it's just kind of well, like, a so, so this thing that's going on in America is, is, is quite funny to, to many of my friends uh, in the Nordic countries, Finland specifically, because, you know, uh, there's five and a half million people in Finland and, you know, there's, there's 3 million saunas. And, and a, a buddy of mine says, yeah, uh, he goes, everybody's, uh, there's five and a half million fins and five and a half million sauna experts, because every fin has an opinion of, you know, what they like and stuff. But there's a general consensus of few rules. And that's amazing to me like, when you think about it. I mean, this is a country that has a lot of rules, you know, there's a lot of social, uh, you know, programs and, and education is free and, you know, healthcare is free. And with that, you have government with, with, you know, rules, there's signs everywhere and people are very law abiding and stuff, but man, when it comes to sauna, there is no rule. And I, 
I prescribe to that. And I love that. And, and to, to your spirit, Brian, you know, when you talk about, I, I wrote about what you just said there is like solo saunas are meant to be. And I have my own backyard sauna. And for 20 some odd years, uh, you know, like Tuesday or Wednesday, I would send an email out and I, I love the Friday happy hour sauna. And so, you know, in more, um, uh, you know, when the kids were young and stuff that that was a magic time before dinner, after guys would knock off work, I would send the invite out and uh, and I'd love it when nobody would show up. Those were my best damn saunas. And it turns out uh, there was always some really wonderful thing that happened with my time alone um, uh, on the bench and in the cold, um, you know, pacing it on my own uh, pace. And like we you referenced, you know, everybody is different. And everybody is different at different times. And I love the no rule aspect, you know, like when you're hot, you leave. And when you're cold, you go back in. Um, and one more bit on this is like, what better way to really know yourself? You know, like we know ourselves through exertion and, and heavy exercise, but this contemplative uh, space that we're allowed to be in through contrast therapy is just medicine in its own right. Um, I just know where I stand. I know when I'm over pushed. I know when I have to say no to that last beer, you know, I know when I need a nap, you know, like I just know, know my body. So anyway, it's a bit of a tangent, but you asked about, do you want to know about the history? Of yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to go to the history, but I just want to touch on that real quick, just because like, just by the, the temperature, it's this filter from technology as well, where. I think a lot of the a lot of the contemplation that comes from it is medicinal in the sense where it's like it, like people say silent meditation. I, I think sauna ice is one of my favorite forms of meditation. For sure, the ice is forced meditation because I know I can't have my my phone or like too much going on outside of that. And I think like that's special in and of itself where it's just like like this is before cell phones where like this process had already filtered out distraction. And I just think, I think that's of note just because the ability to get some silence for yourself and, and you have some, like, there's some flow to it. It's not like you're sitting still and staring at a wall or a dot or anything like that, or looking in your third eye in that realm. But it's, I, I think it's special that, that those solo sessions. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Yep. And then yeah, and then uh, I had something else I want to say, but we'll, we'll go to the history uh, uh, break. Well, actually, no, I got you because I, I've seen some of those um, the memes or whatever were because uh, I think it's so special because I've had people travel through Finland as well and uh, know a couple hockey guys over there as well where they um, they have saunas in like single person saunas in hotel rooms. They have literally like the massive group saunas, and they have it's and they've done the heat maps where it's like. That like their their saunas are like our McDonald's or like our fast food stores. And I think that's all hilarious because again, there's a drastic difference between this frequency of McDonald's and this frequency of such a massive benefit to health and human happiness. But uh, I just wanted to chirp that for a second. But yeah, uh, break it break if you could break down the history, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah. So well, well, um, of course we're gonna get to the history, but we're always taking sidetracks. So I, I love I'll jump it. In on that. I'll jump in on that. So, you know, like like an average to bad sauna in Finland is better than the better saunas in America. Uh, the the bar is so high. And again, I just want to emphasize heat, steam, and ventilation. It's not that complicated, but we somehow, you know, the this this practice, this sauna, this export, this Finnish export. It's like, you know, a buddy of mine says, you know, this is like Finland's greatest export, but they didn't bring the manual. 
like we, we've had to kind of recreate a manual um, because the Finns would assume that we would know how to do this. But um, yeah, I just, I just want to share like, you know, ventilation is like a really tricky thing, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you could sit in a health club sauna that's like 190, 200 Fahrenheit. It's got really shitty ventilation and you're in there for like 10 minutes plus before you even break a sweat because there's no air movement in there. And the way I explain ventilation is like if you're if you're standing on a frozen lake in Minnesota and it's zero degrees Fahrenheit and it's sunny and there's no wind. Well, you know, you can survive just fine in a sweater and stuff, but you have the slightest breeze and you're like your ears are going to freeze off. And so if you think about that in the opposite, where you have a hot room uh, that with that's got maybe 180 Fahrenheit that has some nice airflow in it. It's hot, man. That and you throw water and you create steam in that environment, and you really got a kick-ass sauna happening. So, in the motherland of sauna, um, even mediocre saunas have great heat, steam, ventilation, and that overcomes ninety percent. All this, all this rigmarole about bench height and your feet at the rocks, and 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 you got to do this and you got to do that. That that's a lot of American chatter about looking for building rules. Uh, and I just want to emphasize, if you focus on those three aspects and really drill into that, you know, nerd around on my website, Sauna Times and all over and just become, you can become a pro sauna builder and be right on par with the Finnish saunas um, w- without a lot of chitter chatter and, and confusion to make that happen. So, all right, no, we're going to get to your question. or No, 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 like, well, hi- history is not even because like, I, I like this conversation because like, um, I was just talking to Matt Brown. He's a UFC fighter here in Columbus, and he he's on this whole Reddit line of of sauna stuff. And he goes, I've been doing the research. I've been doing this. And I uh, I sent him my research protocols and that kind of stuff. And we'll touch on that here in a little bit. But he goes, he goes, have you heard the feet at the rock stuff? And I go, kind of. And then I go, because like, in essence, he was talking about the heat being higher and then like how bad the barrels are and whatnot and those kind of things. And I go, really? Like, how I see it as my own little variant of that. As long, as long as you have a great heater, like that cancels out a lot of the problems. And then, so I don't steam. So the cool thing I'm, I'm learning right here is like steam hasn't always been a massive part of my sauna experience because the, again, the, we'll get to the one you helped mentor Dedon and Ken Zen on to help, uh, help the boys with our big 16 person mobile sauna. But what, what I found anyways, through my own practice was the ventilation before Dedon broke it down to me as well. Um, but I was actually doing some some cold research for my girlfriend. She's a survivalist. And and she was doing like a cold weather episode or what if you fall through the ice? And that's where I learned about wind chill. And, and my own logic, I go, well, the inverse is true for the ventilation. So, yeah. And then I've talked to Dedon since the uh, creation of our m- big 16-person mobile sauna with one of your Kuma stoves in it. Um, and he goes, if I, if I had to do it again, like that space, I'd have a little more ventilation. And I go, why? And he hit me with the same thing I had just discovered from this cold research where like, I, I, I get confused on the convection conduction, but convection with the, with the cold wind, with the cold wind, you lose your body temperature. Like, I think it's like six or seven times faster. So what is, yeah, what is true heat? And like, and now you get into that, that same wind chill concept or the air moving past you at 180 to 210 or whatever you're yeah. whatever you're cooking at i think that's special to understand because i think that's overlooked and because if you have re- really good heat and then i've been fortunate enough to be be mentored under the tutelage of you 
and I know what what wood burning does when it's beautiful and compared to like an electric heater that has no ventilation, which a lot of those uh, places in uh, your general health club or even like even like in my NFL facility, poorly, poor, poorly ventilated, but properly, I'd probably say maybe even overheated. But, you know, but so I guess my yeah, my, my question here, unless you have anything to add from my little no, rant right there. No, no, ask and we'll rant. Go yeah, ahead. The, the steam. The, how yeah. important is the steam aspect of your recipe there for the the, the existing rules? It, it's it's integral, right? Like no steam, no sauna. It's that simple, right? Like steam is you you, you talk about the health benefits of sauna, and that that study that you referenced was uh, was was out of it was a twenty year longitudinal study with Dr. Yari Laukin in the University of Eastern Finland, and it studied 2,400 and odd change men for 20 years, right? And and they uh, and they, it was a self-reported study, longitudinal study that talked about their health. And yeah, marketed decrease in all-cause mortality, cardiovascular um, was a key. Neurodegenerative was in there too. Exactly. Through Alzheimer's, a, a 20 some odd percent decrease in Alzheimer's and stroke. Um, yeah. And so really what this is, uh, what we're talking about here is is real sauna, right? Like not fabrications of sauna. And when you throw water and you make steam, you're creating a climate difference here that is really significant in, in spirit in mind and body as well, right? Like Lolu is the steam. And that's a very spiritual thing to the Finns. When you throw water and make steam, like typically in Finland, you're quiet through that moment and you ride that steam out and you're listening to the soul of the, of your sauna, because that steam is medicine. It's, it's that, it's that moisture and that hum, humidity intermixed like with the heat. So the heat and the steam create this beautiful balance of, of uh, climate. Right. And that gets right in your bones. Right. And, and, and not your skin. And so that penetrating heat, that's therapy right there. And so, you know, you don't have to kinetic, adopt from the health benefits in that research, except to understand that these were 2,400 men taking Finnish sauna, not fabrications, Finnish sauna, meaning heat, steam, ventilation, well-vented saunas. And it's that simple. And we create that for ourselves and we can live happier, healthier lives, you know, just based on the merits of that study. But what's so, what's so cool is like, uh, the Sauna Research Institute, which I'm a founding board member, and Yari is a founding board member of this as well, because we we're we're integrating some really cool work um, using control groups, right? Because this isn't something that takes 20 years, right? Like you can start to get some serious benefits, like like your well-being, like within three to five sessions. And so with this baseline. Uh, business and then having a study group and a control group here in America specifically, um, we're really excited about some of this, the foundational research that we're, we're, we're on the cusp of doing to talk about, you know, how this thing is helping people in ways that is just unquantifiable right now. Yeah. And that's where um, Dr. Yari is an absolute monster. And then obviously we were uh, affiliated with you guys for a little while. Uh, the Sauna Research Institute, since both of you guys were, or uh, you were based in Minneapolis when Mindstrong was up there. And then obviously John and his whole uh, compound up there was what was involved. And I, I think that's the coolest part about it is it's, and the, b- before that, I want to regress to the first statement that, um, you have to understand that that longevity study was done with proper sauna. And so these other companies that are throwing around 
sauna research or hey and or they're stealing all these health research benefits and adding them into their instagram posts and their tiktoks hey you get all this from this sauna it needs to be taken with a grain of salt or at least an asterisk because like this was done properly and right. under that realm because you know dr yari's doing it right and exactly. so so yeah. that's what that's what we got to hang on to and that's my mission here you know that's that's my my i want to be on more of these type of uh, podcasts and discussions. Cause I really think that what you just said there is really the ultimate and you said it in the right way in a positive context, right? Like, you know, this, this is where we're going to leave other practices, um, separate those other practices, right? You know, it's like saying, Hey, swimming's great for you. And here's your pool and it's a hot tub, you know, yeah. I mean, good luck, good luck yeah. swimming in your hot tub. I mean, we want to present the, the climate and the atmosphere for, for the best, experience right and a real the real experience because when you feel good heat it's all over your search is over when you when you get in like you brian you tell me now when you've brought in some of these guys that have an experienced sauna into this sauna with the wood burning kuma i mean do they get it yeah they get it very quickly and like and they still want to cling to the temperature on the wall which at, at times is 210 to 240 plus and I've had some NFL guys in there even hotter than that. But in that in that realm, they like particularly like in proximity to the stove as well. And then you it just um, what's a good way to say it? Um, usually their quote is it hits different. And yeah. that and that that's all I usually get. Um, it's it's not like, oh, I felt like I was heated up this way versus that way. But they they know the feeling is distinctly different than their electric saunas at the facility and their infrared saunas at home. Because right, right. And, cool. and that room. But like uh, just a little nuance that always just like kind of I never like I think gets overlooked, too, because you start talking about electricity and like I like I know a, a, a little bit about like EMFs and all this concept, too. But I just and and my response to most things in life is return to nature yeah, and re, and return to what's natural. And when I look at a sauna that's wood burning and ice that nature gave us in the winter time, or we facilitate, but those are still natural temperatures and natural means of heat and fire being probably the biggest paramount uh, discovery and invention of human history. But like knowing that that is what's generating this change, just like. I don't, again, I don't know if it's my soul speaking, but like, I know that's better than electricity, like whatever, 20 volts running, th running right next to my leg. And I, yeah. if I, it just, I okay. think that, yeah. Yes. Let's nerd out on that. Cause I love that. And I prescribed to the very similar feeling, you know, my saunas up at the cabin wood fired are, are, are just like other, otherworldly, you know, they're, they're in that proximity to nature and using that fuel, you know, the fuel of fire, uh, uh, there's something indescribable of, of what that is, but, you know, over my shoulder here, this is a, this is a seven by eight hot room, eight foot ceiling, seven foot by eight, approximately there's a nine kilowatt electric in there. I've been sounding here every night for about almost two weeks now. And I, and, and, you know, I'll admit to you that before this, uh, this I'm on a pilgrimage here before this retreat, Brian, you know, my knowledge of electric was, was thin because I'm such a wood fired nut, you know, all the saunas I've ever built, all my own saunas, all my mobile saunas, wood, 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 you know? So I, I hear, hear, here's a little trick that, that I've been learning about this electric, right? So if you fire it up like good hour and a half, maybe even two hours before, and you set it, hot, like 180, 200, 
Um, and if you have the right kind of heat heater with a lot of rock mass, right, when it's time for round one, you can shut it off. And this is what I've been practicing on. And I'll go in the hot room and there's, there's no, there's the red element, the, the elements are off and, and you're just using the latent heat in the rock. And it's quite, a, quite impressive for electric to go in there and you throw water, you make steam and you're just using the heat. That's uh, uh, the, the, the mass, the lampomas, the, that thermal mass of that rock. That's as close to wood fired and a smoke sauna, a savu sauna that I think electric can get to. And uh, when you think about one of these health club saunas with the toaster oven on the wall, you're never going to get there. You, you don't have the mass, but these new electric heaters, the te technology of a big rock mass with electric um, is really kind of changing some of the dynamics for those that are constricted and need to use electric as opposed to wood fired. Yeah, I, I wondered that just because I want to know how one of my questions down the list is how important are the rocks? Yeah, you mean like, yeah, so let, let's talk about, I would say they're they're very important because it's a balance. And you referenced something about heat, right? Like, and I want to nerd out with you and listeners about the three types of heat transfer, okay? There's, yep. there's radiant heat transfer, there's conductive heat transfer, and there's convective heat transfer. That's it. That's not types of heat. That's about heat transferring. So whatever the source is, whether it's the flame in a firebox or an electrical element, it's transferring that heat. And how it gets to our body is up to the dynamic and the design of that sauna hot room. And, and um, I'm working with thermal engineers. And Brent, I'm so excited. I'm working on an article right now that talks about the jazz trio of heat transfer. Let's go. And when you think about this as a drum, a bass, and a piano, now you can really kind of like uh, easily describe and communicate the three types of heat transfer because your radiant and your conductive, they're like drum and bass, right? They carry the rhythm and you can't have all, all of one and you can't have all of the other. And I'm going to explain that really simply. Like if you just had heavy radiant heat, that's just like a drum solo. That seems just banging in your ear and it's like that that hot sun you're feeling, right? And if it's all conductive heat, like that means your rocks are hot, but you're getting no air heat, right? Like, like your air, you're not getting any radiant. Well, you go into the hot room and your benches are cold, and but the mass is there. And that's a special thing, but it's not optimal. And then the third one, that piano, that's carrying the carrying the heat, you know, through convection. And you want to tune those three, right? A sauna builder who's really good. And I would say there's not many in America that are tuned like this, but when we tune the jazz trio, now we have this thing, like you reference some of your guys that, that say, wow, this is different, right? You can't put words into a great mix, but we, we are starting to distill the dynamics of the three methods of, of, of uh, heat transfer. And it's really exciting. This is like 400 level sauna stuff that I don't know anybody in America uh, except a few that I'm nerding out with these engineers and stuff, but it's really powerful because this is objective. It, it's subjective and it's objective in the same way, just like music. Mm, I like that a lot. The symphony of sweat, the proper symphony of sweat. Right on. Or, or, uh, trio. It's yeah, a trio, right? And then you could say when you throw water. Now, here's one other element. This sauna over my shoulder. It's it, We have a lot of athletes that are kind of they want this 200, you know, and they're, they're electric. Right. And they're, they're confused because on the dial, it says like 
210, you know, but the temperature gauge is saying 160 or 170 and they're pissed. They're like, this thing isn't getting hot enough, but you go in the hot room and if it says 160 at the thermal sensor and stuff, when you throw water and make steam, and then you quickly go outside and you look at that thermostat, it's gone up. It'll go from 160 to 180. No, no problem. And a lot of this, here's a misnomer, Brian. A lot of people think that when you throw water and make steam, the temperature in the room goes up. But that's not the case. What's happening is, again, it's that convective airflow. You're creating this air movement through steam, which is really a beautiful thing because when you got that airflow, that convective airflow, it's feeling hotter. Yeah, and, that, and I'm even trying to think through the function. My brain's probably not big enough for that. But like with steam rising, does it push some of the hot air back down and through and around? Yes, Awesome job. Yeah, they call it the Lolu pocket. Lolu is the steam, steam pocket. And obviously it's hotter above. But I mean, I'm, you know, in this thing about your feet at the rocks. And then there's a principle that I've been, I've been preaching for two years now where two fists over your head, like your, what's the optimal bench height? Well, the general rule of thumb is when you're sitting on the upper bench, you want to be able to put two fists over your head to the ceiling. Well, I'm even debunking that a little bit. This sound over my shoulder is not that. It's a good foot and change, and it's no big deal. I mean, I like to have a Venic or a Vita, or it's a whisk, a whisking broom, you know, like it's usually made out of birch leaves or oak leaves and stuff. And so we'll we'll dip that in hot water, and then you can like, you know, um, it, it's really good for your skin, all those natural oils and stuff, and it brings out a lot of the oils and you know a lot of a lot of impurities in your skin and stuff. It's a very natural thing to do in Eastern Europe and Latvia and Finland, Russia. They're all big on this thing. So anyway, I'll either take a little towel or my Venic thing, and I'll just spin that around, and you get you know a lot of people are over engineering this stuff. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, you can get great airflow through steam and just moving air around with a little towel or a Venic whisk. No I big deal. Just to compensate for maybe a sauna that's not optimal or not engineered optimally or the architecture is not perfect. Where, But one uh, more thing, one more thing. That stratification is a beautiful thing. And and here's what I'll do. Like this sauna over my shoulder and including my sauna in my backyard. So you throw water, you make steam and you're like, you're really hitting it hard and you're taking it. And then, you know, when the time to leave the hot room is? Whenever you feel like it. When the idea of an ice cold lake plunge is about the best idea you've ever heard. There you go. I like that. Yeah. It's so, yeah. Sometimes when you listen to your body, not your skin, you know, you're like, my core isn't there yet, but I'm fucking blasted. I mean, like this is so I'll, it's okay to be a low bench Larry. I mean, you get down there and then what you're allowing yourself is a little bit more time for your core to get to that moment, that magic moment where you're just, you open that hot room door and you're like, you're thinking nothing else about it except the lake plunge. That's a good sound around. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a, that's a great metric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, a subjectively beautiful metric in right. that realm. And, and, and it, and it goes back to everybody is different, right? Like the idea of a lake plunge is different at different times uh, for everybody, you know? Yeah. yeah guaranteed. Yeah. And that's why I like low bench Larry. I, I, you know, I think it's a great place to hang if, if it makes you comfortable. Yeah. And, but there's, there, there's all, there's always the levels like, and, and then seasons outside always uh, dictate some of that too. But 
there's the there's top bench there's low bench there's the waiting room there that's yeah. still still radiating heat from bodies there's outside there's in the water yes. there's a, this this full spectrum for whatever place you're at or whatever trying place you're trying to get to or get closer to yeah well there's one other bit to that on the cool down right like when you're in a cold plunge you know you're taking that and you know uh and i've learned this i've learned this from from breathing you know like breathing exercises and stuff and I love that 515, you know, uh, Harvey got me on 515. So when you, when you go in, I mean, you're, you're discombobulated, you know, and I just close my eyes and I focus on my breath and I give it five breaths. And invariably I, my body is centered after five. And then I just like total Zen, as, as you well know, Brian, you know, I get in that Zen state and I try to just give myself 15 long, deep, mellow breaths and then I'm out. And then, and then that that's the magic, right? Like, you know, your endorphins are rushing and you're, you're not cold, but it's nice to get away from wind at that point. Otherwise you're kind of rushing yourself back into that hot room because that wind will just like, it'll send a, a false trigger to your head. Like this is cold, man. Let's get hot again. Yeah. And, and I found that a little bit regardless, I, I've been around some wind too, when I got out of the cold and you, the cold will give you a little like fake defense for a little while where it's yeah. just whether it's the numbing and the thawing that occurs after that or like the the sharp sharper cold from the wind the wind chill and things like that but it's still like i i just part of the beautiful thing about the cold is the fact that it reframes your brain and your relationship with cold and cold water in particular where we always use the bit where it's like like when's the last time like you went outside without your hat and gloves your mom told you as a kid that you get sick and die if you go outside like that when really in reality like we have these systems in our body built build up this defense and then now we're amplifying it with like actual submersion and the numbing and the constricting of and the vasoconstriction that's happening where i just think that that's been really powerful to watch people change their relationship with some guys actually water but two two the biggest one being cold and then you see the anxiety build up before the cold at times and those kind of things and to see them kind of put that uh anxiousness to rest and learn to enjoy and even crave the ice i think is just one of the most powerful things of that world where and the sauna like obviously it's a safe haven in that category of cold but I think that's just a, one of the better teachers is the relationships we have with these extreme temperatures too. For me, you know, sauna is always part of the cold for everybody in Finland. You know, this water element is de facto. There is no sauna without that. You know, at the bare minimum, there's a, a cold shower, you know, you outside of the sauna is the shower room and you would take a cold shower. It's just the way it's done. Most saunas, you know, like Northern Minnesota <clears throat> are dotting along, you know, shorelines of, of cold lakes. And this is just the way it is. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people are coming to sauna through their experience with cold, but uh, you know, sauna and cold are just, it's like peanut butter and jelly. It's just always been one and one in, in the same. So it's kind of fun to see this, this uh, interest in America of contrast therapy and, and those coming to sauna through cold uh we'll take it anyway but it's sure it's sure great to see you know people getting into this stuff oh guaranteed and I, like even when the whole infrared uh dry sauna comes up i just like i go heat's better than no heat mm. and so we'll, we'll we can we can spoon feed it and baby step it in with the infrared 
and, and all that world. And uh, to your point, though, like I, I do think we may like like I think there is also the separation of experience and performance here, too, where the contrast therapy is not always the right time. And where I think the United States has taken it and ran with it is like the isolation and the leverage and hijacking the physiology when it's like, and that's where you lose some of the soul of the experience, but Mm -hmm. you do steal the health benefits and time it up because like, obviously now it's like, um, when's the best time to isolate cold? When's the best time to isolate the sauna and maximize and optimize. And I think obviously Americans always abuse that, that yeah. level, that level of thought, like, and and you see it in the production and manufacturing of products in the United States and et cetera. And we're not going to go down that route, but, um, and, and that realm, I do think, uh, obviously both have benefits. I think they're magic together. And then when there's no expectations, you just know it feels good. Like that's a whole nother level of experience. But for those of you listening, like when, if you are just a, a one or the other person, um, when it comes down to it, like I, a lot of the misconceptions here are like, Cause in the football world, okay, hard practice, get in the ice tub, get your legs in the ice tub guys. They don't even go up to their chest. They go up to the legs and they still scream and kick and moan and, and that realm. And then, uh, but like a cool nuance I found while I was in Minnesota and maybe this is just cause it's Minnesota, but I ended up seeing that all the habits around it. But when I first got to Minnesota, I wasn't a big sauna guy in Canada. We had steam rooms. Uh, it's just what the team had to offer. So we didn't have a lot of sauna. We, we had like this high tech infrared, which was super weird. But besides the point, um, it felt like you're being cooked in an oven. It looked like an oven, the inside of it too. metal, metal plates on the inside. Like, yeah, yeah. But besides the point, um, but I get to Minnesota then after every practice, um, like Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, Everson, like all the, the studs on the team were getting in the sauna after. And in my, my lack of wisdom at that time, I was no, I'm going to go up to my neck in the cold tub and intimidate people. And they think I'm crazy and I'm getting better recovery than them, even though I wasn't, I was actually stunting adaptation. And that's where like, that's starting to finally work its way out. But it's still, I still run to people all the time. where like, no, like we cold tub our legs after two a day practice or we cold tub our legs after any practice and training camp. And it's just like, no, you're, you're misunderstanding the power. One of heat. I think people, I think a lot of the world, that got stuck in that whole rice model, rest, ice, compression, elevation, lost the magic of heat and movement. And like, and one of the biggest benefits is the fact that the sauna mimics an aerobic workout, uh, even, even a vigorous workout for some folks in that realm and movements always medicine. And I think we got into, again, I think America went the wrong way with some of the, the rest, ice, compression, elevation and mobilization world where really like, cause they used to hard cast ACLs and now the day after the surgery, they're moving it and that kind of thing. And they're moving more towards, uh, massage therapy, red light, this, again, these heating concepts, um, whether it's convection conduction, um, or like the actual friction, those kind of things where I think like now you start to get into like the actual roots of heat being medicine. And now you get to the pinnacle, which is sauna. And now you see the aerobic benefits. And then they've done all the high performance studies on, okay, after conditioning and hypertrophy, for sure, you should be in sauna for 20 minutes, just stealing health benefits, growth hormone, um, uh, upping true endurance. They've done those. uh, I know, you know, the studies on uh, the ultra marathoners and the marathon runners upping their ability to run uh, to perceived or to exhaustion by 32%, like all these little things that compound where like use separately, awesome tools. But again, that's where I think together they're magic. And again, I also do think uh, I'd like to hear 
um, your experience with, uh, because uh, some of the sauna and ice can be exhausting at times if you're using it ineffectively. And when I get into some of my athletes that like, no, I feel great after this, so I'm going to do it every day. And they become basically victims of like, do you own the routine? It is the routine on you and they can't insert feel and uh, pick and choose and how to remove it. Um, have you noticed anything with that as, as far as those that are exposed to your finished model here where like sauna and water uh, go together? Have you noticed anything there or any experience or anything that stands out? Yeah, <clears throat> there's a few things I notice, um, and I'm just uh, I'll speak about that on a couple levels. Like there's myself and my experiences, uh, and again, this is something I do three, four times a week for thirty something years regularly. I mean, I'm like you know I don't miss sauna. That's just part of my life. So oddly enough, there are times where you know I'm just not hitting it hard. I almost feel like I've wasted the firewood. You know, it's like I got this thing up, you know, to temp. And I, in my first round was, I'm tired. I'm just, you know, and I don't force that. I, I just accept that, you know, everybody is different. Every sauna session is different. Conversely, there's times where I'm in there and I can't get enough. I'm like five rounds and I'm like, you know, I love this. And you, you know, this with the Kuma, like you pull the coals forward, you know, do you do yep. that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, sometimes I'll be like, you know, should I do another round? And then I always say, well, I'll let the stove decide. And I go in and I look and if I still have a good bed of coals, well, I'll, I'll pull them forward and I'll bring that middle lever up all the way. And it's like a bonus round. You have so much latent heat in there, so much fuel in that firebox. And, and I'll be just like, give it to me, you know, give me that round, give me that round as hard as you can dish it out. And, and I just take it really hard, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I think that's part of the athlete um, mentality problem is that there's always this performance aspect where I, I just think if, if athletes or all of us just sort of let go of that can trying to have that control over the process and just be with it, you know, be one with it. And no matter what you do, like there's times on the cold, there's times what I love about maybe my final round, I, I have a side saddle water tank of hot water. Um, and my wife will, will you know, use that. And that's a traditional bathing deal. I mean, I don't, I barely use our shower. I mean, I'll shave in the sauna. Uh, I have a finished bar of soap, which I like, and it lathers nice for, for shaving and stuff. And that's the extent of it, you know, and sometimes what I'll do is uh, on my last round, uh, I won't hit the ice cold, you know, I'll temper just some, some ambient water and dump that over my head because I just don't want to stress my body out, you know? Um, so that's, that's my reaction on a personal level, but I see this with friends of mine, you know, and, and it's hard, it's hard for them sometimes. And I'm going to distill it to three things. Okay. It's diet, hydration, and fatigue. All right. These are the three inputs that are macro inputs that can affect our, our sauna session, just like you as a pro athlete and stuff. I mean, I'm sure any of those three elements can really mess with your, your game or, or your practice. Like, like I have friends that have just, they, they'll be like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be a little late to your sauna. I, I got to stop and get something to eat. And I'm like, don't do that. I said, just get a banana, you know, and you know, you, you treat sauna like you would aggressive sport, you know, it's a stress on your body and you don't come to sauna starving and you don't come to sauna full. 
because it'll compromise your sauna. I mean that, you know, that, right. Very, very much so. And, um, and I think, I think that's a great, uh, look at it too, that it is like a performance. It's, it's a, it's a stadium of its own sense. Um, and it's not, it's not just a spa, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not just a thing that that's guaranteed relaxation. No, like you need to come correct and prepared. Yeah, you you owe it to yourself because it's a. I mean, my, a lot of my sauna rounds, sauna sessions are three hours, you know. And and I love this magic time of about four p.m. That's a it's pre meal, and you know how great food tastes after and yeah. stuff. And then another magic time is like that eight o'clock deal where I'm well digested, and you could have an evening sauna, and then and then God, you just sleep like a baby. But you know that evening sauna is tricky because you can't. You can't have a couple, you know, if you have a couple of beers or whatever, guaranteed you're going to wake up in the night and have to take a leak, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I like the afternoon time. Um, but yeah, so th- those are three. Now I want to talk about hydration because like this bottled water business, I think you're going to see something that's going to come out in the near future and that this Aquafina stuff and this heavily filtered bottled water, you know, it that's devoid of all minerals. And I think, I don't know this, like, you know, scientifically or whatever. But when I, I used to drink reverse osmosis water at our Minneapolis home and I would come out of sauna, I'd feel good, but I feel fucking exhausted. Like what the hell? <clears throat> and I realized that this reverse osmosis system depletes all the minerals from the water. So when I switch, because up at up North, when I sauna at the cabin, I feel great. And when I went to Finland, I took 50, 50, 50 saunas in 12 days. And those guys are nuts about mineral water and stuff. And, and that's a they that's a practice for them. They're on the game of hydration. It's not about water, it's about minerals, minerals in your water. And to me, that's the second thing. And knowing my body like I do so much, whether it's sauna or just you know, going for a bike ride, I'm super in tune to minerals. And there's the four key minerals. I could name them, but magnesium, iron, potassium, sodium. Uh, you got to watch that shit. You, you know, are you on yeah. that program? Yeah, massively. And it's and I, I'm hoping to get Darren O'Lean on here soon because he's a master in that category, too. Um, but that's like, in essence, in his verbiage, it's a fatal convenience. Like, mm. yeah, the bottle. Great. OK, like you get it to go. You can take it wherever you want, but you're getting the BPAs, particularly like the Aquafina has n- been known to be one of the worst, but the, but, but the plastic bottles in general, and then you actually get into the energy that's transferred. And one of the coolest things I've been exposed to recently is like drinking water right out of the Creek in the mountains up in like right. Montana and Idaho and things like Beautiful. that. And, and then even in New Zealand and mm. things like that, where you, like you, the water just tastes so different, but like, but so, but now, and I have a crazy doctor, Thoma, who's been on the podcast a couple of times too, but he exposed me to this in high school where he was getting his reverse osmosis water from Whole Foods and then inserting trace minerals. And like, that's basically how you do it because you're defending yourself. And then um, I was just, uh, I mean, I've heard it from multiple people in Columbus, Ohio and Missoula, Montana and uh, uh, Las Vegas or Los Angeles. I can't remember where he was from, but besides the point, arsenic in the water, like how the cities clean the water's trash and yeah. all these things so really to to do the best defense like it's almost like i can get distilled water or reverse osmosis where distilled like it's completely stripped of everything and you can insert it back and it's just an extra step to to truly understand what good hydration is and now now you start talking about the effects of sodium great starting place now you add potassium and then now like there's then you can get into the the whole spectrum of minerals but in that realm 
like, yeah. it, but it's in a healthy manner. But like, I just think pe- people sleep on the salt effect, like the sodium effect and that really cool book called the salt fix that breaks that down beautifully too. But if you want the right synapse and literally your body and your nervous system and all these things, like you need to be properly hydrated and, or, and between your muscles, sorry, but like, and, and, but people sleep on, because like people will do a, a glass of water in the morning, cup of coffee, then like they won't drink a glass of water. Like, I think uh, I saw something like the average uh, person only drinks like three cups of water a day. And when really in reality, you start to looking at high performance, like some of the bigger bodies and there's different equations for how many liters each person should get. Like I've read based on my body weight, it's anywhere from like uh, 3.2 to like five, something like over a gallon of water. And so, and so it's just like, there's so much variance there. But again, I think like, especially when you get putting yourself, you know, you're going to put yourself in the stadium on the practice field in the weight room or in the sauna, like you need to come correct. And hydration is I say breathing's the lowest hanging fruit in sports performance, which I, I completely b- believe after seeing like the lever it's been for professional athletes and military. But I think hydrate like sleep, I'll put sleep first. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, sleep, breath, and hydration, lowest hanging fruit. Not a gotta do a lot. You can go get uh the reverse osmosis ju- massive jugs, take care of yourself for a week at a time, two weeks, whatever. And like now, like if you do that for two weeks, I guarantee you feel different. And like, and that's where I always, with, with all my athletes, whether it's with the breath or not, I address sleep first, then I go into the breath and then I go into hydration and then we'll yeah. go into to diet and nutrition. But again, the, the awareness for you, for what you just said too, is like, what's in your stomach and what part of your system's reacting right now? Cause we're talking about going into a stressor, which is sympathetic. It's, it's like, a, it's a healthy version. It's like, a uh, pursuing the hormesis hedonic adaptation concept where there's a little bit of stress equals the right adaptation. You just start to level up and become more resilient as a human. Awesome benefits there. But where if you're, again, if you're putting food in your stomach, you're trying to lock yourself and you're getting blood there instead of blood circulating through the body. Same reason you don't do that before you practice or before you lift. I want my blood carrying oxygen doing its job. I don't want it digesting food. Yeah, man. And, like, and so, and, and oh. then now you, yeah. Yeah, Brian, I want to get weird for a minute. And and I have a hypothesis about hydration. Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna draw an analogy. And in in your research with your your other guests and stuff, if it if it's relevant, bring this up. So in Minnesota, uh um, I'm not sure, you know, in a lot of places, right? Like if you have grass, you have grass growing, and and if you're watering that grass all the time, the roots never go deep. But if you if you let nature take its course and you let that grass go dormant, you know, through through natural processes of uh, of, a, of a summer drought, those roots are stronger. And I noticed this. I, I and I it's just my own little weirdness. But I'm I practice intermittent fasting. I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee in the morning, whatever. And if I can ride out my first food intake until about eleven, that works for me. I mean, I'm I'm sixty years old, so my metabolism is different. I don't recommend this for younger people or whatever, but so, so that intermittent, intermittent fasting works, but I wonder, Brian, if we're going to see an intermittent hydration movement and where I'm going with that is when I deprive myself of water, I'm not a water nut. Like I don't have water. I don't have one of those 32 ounce things. I'm not hitting that thing all day long because I want my cells to be thirsty. I, and, and I think that analogy of the grass is, is worth pursuing. No, I, 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 I hear that. And I see that. And 
Um, I wish I had more like research on it because, because I had uh, one of my, like a regular on the podcast is Dr. Eric Serrano. And we were talking about intermittent fasting and, um, and he brings everything into it, uh, food, water, everything like new different nutrients. And I've mm -hmm. seen, I've seen different, uh, documentaries on the, and particularly in Europe, the long-term intermittent fasting to like cure crazy things like cancers and all these other, uh, conditions. Like yeah. I probably can't quote it accurately, but in that realm, he was talking about water fasts and, uh, what they do. And I can't recall it's, it's on, it's probably three Serrano podcast listeners again, hydrations in the title, but we, uh, or water fast is in the title, I think. Um, but he talks on that where it is a thing. And, um, cause it's, cause it used to be the myth that you can go through three days without water kind of concept. And I think he did it. I think Serrano did it for like three or four days and started to hallucinate. And, That's, but like, no, but I, I would agree that cause like the same as intermittent fasting, like particularly long-term intermittent fasting makes you incredibly your cellular resilience and your cellular efficiency very like or very efficient in general. I misspoke there, but in that realm, I would assume hydration would work in the same in the same aspect because and then now you start I'm talking, I'm thinking through the Krebs cycle and all this stuff, but I don't know anything about your grass analogy, but I would assume any resilience like in that capacity, even if it's just mental from the ability to yeah. it's like it's like a reframing of the cold, like, oh, I need water, blah, 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 or I'm thirsty. What what is that truly doing to your like mind, body, soul, and cells when you you say no to these urges? Yeah. And then, so 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 I'm not suggesting that we deprive ourselves. I'm I'm saying that we 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 uh, we um we hydrate at the at the right time. And and what oh, I mean okay. by that is like like I don't drink water a lot during the day. Maybe I should be you know, scolded for that. But when I know I'm going to sauna, you know, I think of my fi Finnish friends, my, the pros that sauna like madmen, and I'm, I'm one of them, you know, I sauna like a madman. I sweat like crazy. So there's a magic time where I'll drink 32 ounces of mineralized water. Maybe it's an hour and a half or two hours before sauna. And, and it's a lot like the Wim Hof breathing, you know, like I'm supercharging my cells with oxygen, you know, and here I'm supercharging my system with hydration and I feel it. I feel like a million bucks. I feel like a, I can climb a mountain because I'm really hydrated at the right time. I'll drink those 32 ounces. Then I'll fill that 32 ounce up thing again. And I'll make sure I drink that before round one is over. I mean, that's 64 ounces of water, but man, it's just like a jet fuel of hydration into me. And I, I feel wonderful when I do that. I, I can see the function of it. My brain's not big enough to know like how perfect that is for like, your cells and how much you can water you can absorb with um, consuming X amount. Cause I've heard like, cause now you get into like the alkalinity effect of like overhydration and things like that where, but like it's, if it's going, it's replacing what's going out. Like, okay, I'm replacing it with the right electrolytes, the right amount of hydration. So maybe on top of the detox that's happening in the sauna, like maybe that's like a fuel, like an oil change, you know? Yeah, you and, sweat and better. You sweat better too, because there's nothing worse. And, and I don't know if listeners have ever had an experience like this, where, where you're, you're sitting on the sauna bench, or maybe you're on a bike ride, or maybe you're on the practice field and, and you're not sweating. Yeah. That's a freak out, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, guaranteed. And it's just like, it's almost frustrating because you know you've sweat at this temperature at this time and it's just like okay well something's off yeah and it's 
it's either my it's my system or my hydration and usually and like that's not like a good feeling either you're not really enjoying the sauna if you're not sweating in my in my own so it's um i but like that's again like to your point about us getting lost in the protocols and when to hit it and instead of feeling what we feel and knowing that okay today's a good day and i can go hard and because like it, but what you're what you're speaking on is what we're trying to tangibilize in the performance world with the velocity based training and all the trackables and that kind of stuff is we want to know what days we can go hard and what days we can pull off or we have to back off because the CNS didn't recharge or whatever it ends up being. And we're like that, like person to person, you can feel that in the sauna. Anyways, I, I know the, I know for a million percent fact, the cold, ex- like I can tell you just right, right when I touch the ice, whether like I slept good last night, whether I'm hydrated, yeah. all that. It's just, I think that's a, a great illustrator of your state is the is the cold cold by itself because i use i do the cold a bunch by myself in the morning uh usually particularly in the winter time when i have the tub because the cold cold shower is a little different it's kind of subjective but the cold tub i know is uh, is uh definitely a gauge like a gas gauge from is my system ready to go today or not and and then and i can usually even before i get in the tub i know if i'm hydrated and if i slept well and then I I count my like most days I count my breaths in there same as uh, Harv and you and like you've adopted the five fifteen. I do eight breaths and some days that that's two minutes and some days that's four minutes you know, and uh, but but usually it's around three. Beautiful. And so it's just uh and if I can't hit that I I let go of the force to keep that pace and I just relax and yeah. I d- I dunk and I go about my day yeah. with new. You know, one, yeah, this contrast therapy business, one of the things I absolutely love, <clears throat> I've had some buddies come over with their heart rate monitors and stuff. And they're, you know, they're, they're up there. I had one guy like North of 150 beats per minute. And the, he had to go sit in the cool down. I think I thought the guy was going to have a heart attack, but you go in that cold plunge. Isn't it just the greatest feeling in the world to listen to your heartbeat and how that thing slows down? Oh, it's beautiful. And it's, um, and I, I, again, people, you just have to feel it. Like you don't have to track it. You just got to feel it, but it's just, you go from thump, 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 thump to peace. And yeah. then that, and you get to a point where you don't even hear your heart rate anymore, or depending on how much ice you have on your chest, you won't even, because like, I, I like filling up the ice tub sometimes with like 220 to 240 pounds of ice when I'm coaching sometimes so that people can feel their like 360 breath. Like they, they can breathe into their sides and they can keep the breath out of their chest. If I got the nasal breathing and stuff like that, yeah. or just like, a, it's like a, it's a coaching cue. But then now when we get down and like my more aggressive coaching, we'll hold our breath in the ice tub and you get this added uh, pressure. Like you have this nerve on your face. It's like kind of like a Raven's foot, but it's uh, your mammalian dive reflex. And, for, and I, and I've gotten competitive where I do like max holds in there, which I do not, uh, advise anybody to do that's listening um but and I, I've, I've held my breath for like two and a half minutes under the ice tub after like my second round of sauna and i've gotten to the place where i literally have multiple seconds in between each heartbeat and it's magic and it's you get out and it's just like you it's a whole new level of zen and yeah. like that that that's like a super aggressive version of it but just feeling the transition to go like, cause I, I, I like, and I, and there's metrics I use with guys depending on the system and like um, the protocol we're following where like some people, some people just have to know how long to stay in the sauna. And like, I just say, feel how you feel, go, go until it's uncomfortable and then you can come out. And like, usually that's what I leave it at. But like when guys have done it with me a few times, I go get your heart rate to 120 and, and sustain it for five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, five minutes is good. 10 minutes is great. 
And so, and then they come out and do that. And then particularly the hockey guys and one of my fighters, um, they see that basically like they, they pull up their data after they're done. You see this roller coaster of the line and you, you just go, how cool is that? And then, um, one of my guys who I've done a bunch of work with, so people those listening, this is definitely a veteran, but you see literally like a cliff when he does his breath hold in the ice. And it's just, it, it's really special. See, like it, it gets to the point sometimes where the, the, re, the monitor won't even register it. Amazing. And it's, um, and th- those, those are the fun things about it. And it's all it is, is your body reacting to the environment. Your body is one of the most incredible, smartest machines on the planet. And if you get back to what it's capable of and its feel and this again, again, I, now you get into the immune system benefits and I don't want to make it all about the benefits, this, this way of life and this lifestyle that you've, you forged and helped bring to the United States. But now you start talking about how comfortable have we become and particularly into temperature because one of our biggest stressors used to be environmental stress back in the, the cavemen days, uh, environmental stress and food scarcity. And we've solved those things in spades, but like the heat, the heat and the AC inside, and you go from our bubble from 70 degrees in our house to our car to work to our car back in home. Like that's not what our system's meant for. Our system's meant to be in the environment. And like, I think that brings you closer to presence anyways, and the ability to feel and ebb and flow. And I didn't even realize that till I got out in nature, like backwoods, like 50 miles from another human for a week. And I, you're just a little uncomfortable all day. And I, and I just think in my back of my head, well, if I live like this the whole time, I bet I wouldn't even, this wouldn't even bother me in the slightest, but how I look at the sauna and ice, you're stretching your system, you're stretching your comfort zone. And now maybe 67 degrees doesn't bother you because I've been in the cold water and maybe 77 degrees doesn't bother me because I've been in the heat. And it's just like, and then now you get into like this actual cellular resilience, cold shock, heat shock, all this the, the the other the cellular magic the red blood cells the white blood cells all these other benefits that come from the sauna which are again special and we don't need to know all that to know it's medicinal but i know the sauna and ice for me has made me more resilient to temperature and it's just given me more peace and more control when other people are affected oh it's cold in here oh no it's not why well why not but well, because I've, I've been here before Oh, it's super, it's warm in here, isn't it? Like my body, no, my body's working. I can be a shortened t-shirt year round if I really want to be, you know, I just think that, I think that's special that it's just, again, like you, you got to expose yourself long enough to know it, but I just think people like the immune system and looking at again, return to nature concept, like we're supposed to be exposed to a little more temperatures than 70 degrees. And, and again, it just so happens that this beautiful tool of the sauna brings resilience with it too on top of the million benefits we've already talked about yeah man well said good <clears throat> and then uh just uh another uh just can we can we rip through the history a little bit and kind of yeah. and then even like your experiential experiential history of the sauna too would be would yeah be beautiful. all right so you know one of my mentors uh, one of my key mentors in this space is Mikkel allen who uh he wrote he's norwegian american norwegian by birth um um he traveled around the world in the 70s and uh, and wrote this iconic book called Sweat, where he studied the sweat practices of, of many different cultures. Uh, you know, I could listen from the Native American sweat lodge to the you know, Turkish Haman and the Korean baths and, of course, the Finnish sauna. And it just goes on and on. And dotted all over the world is, is sweat bathing with different names. 
um, but very common fundamentals. Um, and so this, this thing we talk about, sauna, is, is from the Nordic region. It's certainly the best exported version, uh, I think, arguably, and I've heard, you know, because of its simplicity, right? Like it's easy to build a room like this and it's easy to create a heat source like this and to, to carry this. So, you know, there, there's, you know, like down in the Mayan uh, world, you know, the, the Temescal is, is foundationally very similar. It's just how they're done is a little bit different. Uh, in the, in the Mayan Temescal, in the native American rocks are heated outside of the room and, and then, you know, brought in with like deer antlers and, you know, and, and all that. So now you have this, it's, it's lampa masa, that thermal mass, that heat mass of rock, <clears throat> and then always steam, you know, sometimes uh, um, in different cultures, there, there's different um, herbs that are brought forth and uh, in, in the practices are very, very spiritual and very traditional uh, all over the world. So, so that, that's a history of sweat bathing globally. I mean, it goes back as humans go back, as society goes back, you know, now this Finnish practice, it, it's centuries old. Uh, we talk about Savu sauna, which is a smoke sauna. That's the traditional sauna. That was a sauna that, that was around before the Iron Age, before there was any steel at all. And what that was done is a room was built with, with log, you know, an enclosure and uh, a fire was, was built in this room, you know, the, the, uh, and the rocks were heated through direct flame contact four or five hours worth. And then the fire is extinguished and the coals are brought out and the small windows are opened and uh, ventilation is brought forth. And then you close that, close it off and you go into this room and you throw water on the rocks and to this day, this is the most revered type of sauna in Finland and many parts of the world, the Savu sauna, the smoke sauna. Uh, the smoke is not in the room. The smoke is gone. It's a, it, there, there's talk about the health benefits of this carbon that's in the, in the room. And, you know, your ass is black sitting on the bench. There's, there's no question. There's a lot of soot involved. So they have these little paddles that you sit on naked. You know, you're sitting on that you know, and you throw water. It's a beautiful sauna. It's a little cooler. I'm talking maybe 140, 160 Fahrenheit. Um, but the steam, again, we're back to heat steam ventilation. You know, the steam in the Savu sauna is, is a soft steam. It's, it's, they, the Finns love it. I love smoke sauna as well. You know, then, then you had the iron age and then you had this idea of creating stoves with rocks on top. And that was a monumental shift of convenience because you know, you didn't have to deal with this long, long burn. You could, it's called a continuous burn system where this is what we know as wood-fired sauna stoves today. The fire is going and we're in the sauna and there's no smoke in the room thanks to the chimney, you know. And then we talk about the electric, you know, as, as, as the next evolution of convenience to that. So so that's the tradition of, of sauna, uh, using that heat source in different capacities as as time went on no that's awesome yeah i mean that's just illuminating too where it's just not again i just i just wanted to illuminate the fact that it's not a new practice it's not ours it's borrowed right. and and it's been manipulated where i and again i think uh it's definitely on my to-do list to do a sweat lodge um particularly on uh on led properly with on one of the reservations potentially as well yeah just a experience then i'll get over to europe at some point too where it'll be so, fun so it's interesting also we talk about a, a you know a guided experience like a lot of 
a lot of people, it doesn't matter American or wherever, but a lot of people these days, they want to have a guided experience. Uh, yoga, you know, you, you can do yoga on your own, or you can go to a yoga class and stuff. And there's value in a guided experience. And, and, and it's a borrowing really of the Native American and the Mayan cultures where uh, in, in Germany, Ofkus is a very, very, it's the way sauna is done. And it's done through structure. And uh, it's a borrowing of this where <clears throat> everybody enters the hot room at the same time. And there's an Aufgussmeister, uh, a host that that carries through the process and introduces different essences uh, in the water, throws water on the rocks and, you know, does a performance swinging the towel around for ventilation and air movement. Um, and then the Italians have picked up on this practice and created a lot of theater around the Aufguss experience. And it's, it's a show, you know, and you go to these big bathhouses in Germany and in Switzerland and in that part of Europe <clears throat> and on the, they'll have like a dozen different saunas and hot rooms and they will have Turkish style and, and uh, you know, the Roman style where the big tiles are hot and stuff like that. And then you'll see on the blackboard, you know, at 2230, you know, uh, helmet is going to lead off goose. And at 2229, you know, everybody's standing outside of the sauna. And at 2230, everybody goes in there. And there you go. You have a performance, a sauna as a, uh, a performance, um, very unfinished, you know, not Finns wouldn't do that, you know, but it's just another, you know, amalgamation of this practice. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And that, and, but it, it makes sense. And I see that, I mean, you see it in leadership in general, where it's the relinquishing of responsibility, where you can maybe get you a little bit more in the moment. Cause you don't have the responsibility of keeping time or even feeling how you feel. You just know you're there. And, yeah. you, and you're going to listen and you're going to follow suit. And I've had Logan Gelbrek, who's a, a friend of Mindstrong and Harv, and you, and I don't know if you've met him yet, but he has this theory, and I think it's incredibly accurate, that like people want to be led. And I don't think it's incredibly accurate for your sauna exposure but by any means, but there's times when like even in the breath world where it's it, people can hold their breath longer because they're being led. They don't have the responsibility and they're not tracking time and they don't have this other weight and stressors happening where there's room for both. But um, that, that is interesting, but I, it, it's understandable as well. And like, I mean, obviously I'm a coach, so like I am usually performing for others in, yeah. in the, in the realm of sauna and ice, but in that yeah. realm I'm, I'm educating and hopefully, and I, hopefully I do a good job and people that have, have are listening that have been coached by me know that it is a feel thing and it's okay to return to feel and lose the structure yeah. But also there's time, again, to use both separate, both together. And but like, uh, again, like if you're looking for like the true spirit of sauna, it's let's go by feel and let's go with good company. Right on, brother. Well said. Yeah. Well, we've been ripping for an hour and 15. And uh, I mean, uh, those those of you that are listening, I'll post uh sauna protocols alongside this along with benefits i've posted it maybe four or five months ago but i'll repost it just so we get some of that out there and keep some of you guys curious and now that you've listened to the podcast and kind of understand the whole spectrum of of what sauna is what good heat is and maybe even evaluate the saunas you're using currently and if you're in the market for sauna uh or need any advice i'll link sauna glenn here on everything you need to know with sauna times and also his podcast sauna talk and uh, I'll have the links for all those in the bio. And then um, I guess one one other little nuance is because I, I keep running into the people that are doing the DIY stuff, um, DIY in their sauna. And 
they're worried about insulation or they're worried about the heater. Um, do you have, cause I, I know you're, a, uh, you're a friend or affiliated with the Kumas, uh, you, you're a distributor there, but then, um, you, you brought up the Ito, is that what it's called? Yep. <clears throat> well, there's okay. So, so I wrote a book on how to build a sauna and I helped many, many, many people in that. And it's a great book. It's a DIY book. It's a, it, you don't have to be a DIY guy to, to really get a lot of uh, great information from the book. A lot of people will use the book as a springboard for their contractor, uh, their brother-in-law who's, who's who yeah, got like, booted out of a job and now he's got a table saw. And so he's, he's got to play a favor back. So it's like, you know, it's a, you know, building a sauna is just such a magical thing. I, I, I mean, there's, hundreds of stories I could share about how families have come together. Fathers and sons have rekindled the, you know, relationship, a brother-in-law and a brother, you know, and, and look at the product that you build and you get to enjoy that. So, so that's one of my jams, you know, this DIY sauna build. And yeah, I, I love the Kuma stove from Northern Minnesota. It's a kick-ass stove. It's the best heat I felt, not just in North America, but I was able to enjoy 50 saunas in 12 days in Finland. I've been to Finland three times in three years. And I love the, what I love about good heat is it's a universal. And when I go over there, it's, it's heat that I'm very well familiar with and we can create that in our own country. Uh, and, and I'm a, you know, a big shout out to that stove. You know, that stove, the thing is super efficient. It's, it's a beast. It will outlive all of us. Uh, I built a 612 sauna society sauna. It has a medium Kuma in there and that thing is revved up uh, since 2016, you know, and we barely had to tune the damper on the thing. It's it's just, if, if you know, many public saunas use Akuma because it's so reliable and it's so efficient with its wood usage. So yeah, a plug to those guys. But, you know, I try to stay outside Akuma. I, I stay kind of agnostic. I try, I've helped many sauna builders get into business and I'm all about the rising tide lift of good sauna, you know, is lifting a lot of boats, and it's exciting, you know, to climb the authentic ladder like this is 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 my thing. You know, when you feel good heat, it's all over. And I love helping create it for others. Awesome. And so what's the name of the book real quick? And I'll link it in the bio. It's called Sauna Build from tart, Start to Finish. Sauna Build, Start to Finish. And it's, uh, it's you can get it on Sauna Times. And um, yeah, it, and there's also the search bar on Sauna Times. There's about 900 articles about this practice, sauna. The sauna as a noun the place we go sauna is a verb, a thing we do, you know, I've really got into it and uh, I love sharing it with others. Glenn, you're an absolute stud. Thank you so much for hopping on and uh, everybody that's tuning in um, fall, hit all the links in the bio, hit all his uh, socials will be linked in the bio as well. And then um, as always like subscribe to all so, or social platforms and podcast platforms for chasing edges, mutual, like massively appreciated. We'll take as much support as we can get to spread the good word of all things, good and all edges that you need. Um, but Glenn, one more time, thank you for your time. Incredible thank conversation. You, yeah. hundred spirits. I'll see you on the bench soon. Sauna days, the first week of May, maybe we'll get you up to Northern Minnesota. There's Ooh. nothing like jumping into Lake Superior. I'll share more information with you on that, brother. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't like uh, uh, Matt. I think Matt's fighting the thirteenth, and I'm doing some breast stuff with him. So I don't. I'm, I might have to come up right after that. But uh, we'll or actually, no, I'm driving through. I'm driving through for two events. So I'll see you. I'll, I'll trip you when I'm ripping through Minnesota. Love it. Love to you're, see you. You're the man, dude. Be well. You too. <laughs>